Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the market report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. This is for week commencing 24th of September 2018. Well, I would describe this week as being pretty boring actually. Um, I'd like to make out there's lots of exciting things going on and trade everywhere. But farmers are very focused on planting and uh, consequently there's not a lot of focus on marketing. Trading um, within the the merchants, I I think there's a very small level of of actual activity. We're relying on the rest of the world to give us uh, some sort of leadership or some sort of uh, direction. Uh, we've got Mr. Trump, who's who's stated a, a harder line against the Chinese, and the Chinese have turned around and uh, bought some Argentine soya instead of Americans. So, as we understand it, there were 10 cargoes, which are about 40,000 tonnes each, traded between Argentina and China for soybeans. And at the same time, there were 10 cargoes of US soya traded to Argentina. So, if anyone can sit and work out what happened there, then well done. Um the actual market for feed wheat, let's go on to that one. Yeah, it's pretty dull. Um, the value X farm for November is marginally better. Um, the, the, the price today has, has spiked up a little bit. Pan's a bit weaker. Mrs. May got a bit of bad treatment last night. Uh, so 170X farm for November movement. I don't see that price improving. I don't see anything directional that's going to make the market go up in the short term on old crop wheat. We're waiting for a geopolitical or something dynamic to happen in the world to make the price of cereals go up. So my prediction for wheat over the next week certainly is to be very dull and go probably slightly down from where we are now. At the moment, um, the biggest kind of driver on the markets is the corn crop in the States has has been harvested up to a certain point. There's less than 20% harvested, but it is coming in exceptionally well, as predicted by the USDA. It's now raining, and there's going to be about a week's worth of rain in the key areas, which will slow things up a bit. If you take the statement traditionally, the the low in the harvest price of the States is normally around when 50% of the crop is harvested. So we've got a way to go to get to the kind of natural contract lows of a harvest pressure um, period for the corn. So we see corn at best going sideways and probably down a little bit more, which is going to continue to put pressure on the rest of commodities. That's the biggest driver that, that seems obvious at the moment as far as we can see. Uh, looking ahead on wheat, I'm still of the same opinion on new crop that it is going to have a brilliant planting window in the next two weeks after this rain on Sunday. So I believe the tractors will be out there. Everyone will be very, very focused on getting their seed on the farm at the right time and getting it into the field. So I see no hold up in planting, which has got to be a little bit bearish because farmers do tend to sell a bit when they have planted a bit. Barley, that's come off a bit. It's going through a bit of a phase of uh, nondescript trading. I mean, the value X farm is about £3 lower than last week. 
but that's not really happening and there isn't a mass of feed barley out there so 160x farm for september 162x farm for november i if i had feed barley and it wasn't in my way it was in a, in a nice safe storage situation i'd probably sit with it all seed rape drifting off it's seven pounds lower than last week we still hold an opinion that, that, that Europe is short and, and because of this stuff going on into the States, we think last year lots of Australian rape came to Europe and plugged the hole, if you like, because it is a, a short uh, supply in Europe. This year we think that any excess from Australia, bearing in mind their recent troubles with a, with a frost and with the, the previous drought, we think that that rapeseed oil will go to China as a preference or into Asia certainly instead of into the UK or into Europe so we we see rape for the time being not doing a lot but but underlyingly we don't see a massive downside to that Uh, that really concludes it I'd love to sound exciting every week and give you something to um, really inspire you but right now it is pretty dull old stuff thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours RTK Farming is the UK's leading independent supplier of RTK signal to the farming industry. With RTK delivered via radio or SIM card, RTK Farming can work with any make of GPS equipment, from aftermarket systems such as Trimble and Topcon to factory-fitted equipment. With low annual subscription costs and discounts for multiple vehicles, RTK Farming is the solution. For more information, go to RTK Farming. And now it's time for our feature. Apologies for the sound quality of this interview. Bear with us though, as the content is definitely worth a listen. Today I've got Charles Bracey with me. Now Charles, I know the exact date I met him. It was the 28th of May 1987. It was five days after my wedding. Uh, I was on honeymoon and there was Charles in my local pub with a load of the Thursday night boys. Can you remember those days, Charles? I do indeed, yes. Bit wet behind the ears, both of us. You had taken on farming the family farm at 19 years old. That's right, yeah. My father died suddenly in October, yeah, and I was left uh, to look after the farm. And that obviously is a terrible event. With the benefit of hindsight, is there an upside to that scenario from a professional perspective? Yeah, undoubtedly there is. Uh, I was my own man. I made my own mistakes. But you learnt quickly. You didn't have somebody over your shoulder saying, well, I wouldn't have done it like that, boy. Hmm. So, yeah, it, it made me learn and grow. Let me learn quickly, and I grew up quickly. Hmm. I can remember um, we used to spend our time on Saturdays going rowing in the middle of the summer trying to keep fit. And uh, I was particularly not gifted at it. And you, uh, you obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, were actually quite good, weren't you? Uh, I wish I'd discovered uh, rowing properly in fine boats at that age, because I might have been quite useful at it. I did discover it later. And, uh, yes, I had a lot of fun. I'd always wanted to be good at sport. I was always the boy who was selected last when uh, the teacher lined up uh, the whole class against the wall and picked the two good lads who were both good at whatever you were going to do then they had to pick their team, and it was always me who was last, and I absolutely hated ball sports as a result of it. Yeah, well, I can remember giving you the rowing boat that kept going round and round in circles <laughs> so I could keep up. <laughs> anyway, so moving on to um, the reason I'm with Charles today is I want to talk about um, diversification and, and time management. This is, this is something stepping away a little bit from trading and, and 
and, and the normal things we've spoken about so far. Um, and I just, just want to just give, do a little disclaimer here in the sense that the motivation of these podcasts is to try and give farmers different ideas and different opportunities to earn a good living from what they do or the utilisation of their time. And if, if some of the suggestions come out and, and seem slightly irritating... It's not for everyone, but it just might spark someone into thinking, I'll look at things a bit differently. So, so, so please bear with me on that. So, Charles, after you'd been running the, the farm for four or five years, what was, the, what was the first thing you did when you really started getting your feet under the table? When you, when you first took on the farm, uh, you'd been doing it for four or five years, and you then merged with, some, with another group. Why, what made you do that? I was at a rugby club dinner uh, with some neighbouring farmers and we all had similar problems. One of us had someone retire, somebody else had uh, another chap who was going to retire in the next six months. We needed a new combine, somebody else needed a new sprayer. Uh, And we thought, well, we've all got similar problems here and we've all got underused sprays. We've got combines which are capable of uh, doing more than they are doing. Can we somehow pool our resources, our labour and machinery resources, and run the five farms as one bigger unit uh, rather than five smaller units which are underused. And over six months or so, we discussed this almost on a nightly basis. uh, And eventually we came up with Delta Farming and 23, 24 years on, it's still going. And it's been a huge success. Yeah, great. I mean, so, so once that came to pass, I, I know the farms that you're talking about, you started working together. You had an involvement in managing that business. I managed it on a daily basis. I was the, uh, the farm manager, so I liaised with the farmer who was still responsible for his crops. He owns his crops and he made the decisions of what he drilled and when he drilled them. So I liaised between the farmer and the, uh, the operators who actually did the work. So I was the middle link uh, and got it running smoothly. I made sure all the tractors were maintained and looked after maintenance and the rest of it. Okay, so that, that gave the other directors of the business, the other owners of the business, the opportunity to... Well, that gave them freedom to, to develop their businesses elsewhere, uh, which they did uh, in terms of uh, de- developing their dairy business, uh, holiday home, diversity uh, and consultancy um, and so it, specialist crops. So this is the first bit where we're getting into this this time aspect. So you then decided you applied for a Nuffield Scholarship, I believe. Yep, that's right. I applied for a Nuffield Scholarship. We were growing potatoes at the time, which was becoming a more specialist crop to grow and getting more expensive. So I decided I'd go to America to have a look to see how crisp potatoes were grown there. At the time, uh, PepsiCo, an American company, had just bought Walkers, who we supplied, uh, and I thought, well, what happens in America today will probably happen in the UK next year or tomorrow. And I thought, I'll go and see how they do it over there. Okay. And so you, you mixed with a whole load of um, well-connected people because Nuffield Scholarship is a, is a phenomenal force for good, isn't it? It's a fantastic organisation. I'd recommend anybody to have a look at it. It's easy to convince yourself you haven't got the time to do it. But I think if you thought about it enough, you would find the time. And it certainly is worth it. It's, it can be an absolute game changer. I've, I, I know several Nuffield scholars and all of them have come back and taken a fresh look at their lives which is exactly what you did so what did you do when you came back? Well I, I went to America to study crisping potatoes and within two years of being back I decided potatoes was not what I wanted to be growing. I saw the future and I didn't like the look of it. 
uh, I either had to become a much bigger operator and operate on hundreds of acres and make huge capital investments so I was a potato grower or I became a land supplier. Uh, it's very competitive in our area, uh, whether you are uh, or for, for the growers, there's a lot of competition for land. Yeah. I decided to become a land provider. So people grow potatoes on your land? Yes. Well, okay. So then you decided to drop potatoes from your, your list of efforts. What else happened to you? Well, at the time, we were selling wheat for about 70 quid a tonne, and no matter how hard I worked or how big the yield was, I couldn't make money out of it. So I literally got on my bicycle, cycled to Norwich, and bought a terraced house which needed renovation. Just, I mean, this, that subject, because we were talking about this earlier, and you said um, you came back and you'd been away for three months, and unfortunately the world hadn't ended, and it ran very smoothly without you being... Well, yeah, it was a bit of an epiphany for me, really. I went away for three months, and uh, Delta was still functioning beautifully when I got back, and it had functioned beautifully just about every day I was away. So I realised that I wasn't essential to be there, probably handy from time to time, but not absolutely essential. So it made me refocus on how do I spend my time? Do I really need to spend 10 hours a day managing Delta? Clearly, the answer was no. So I had time to do other things. So, so it made me stand back and look at both my business and how I use and manage my time. Okay. Now, one assumes that you had got staff that were motivated that actually made the right decisions. I mean, you likened it earlier to, um, you know, there's a job of a shepherd and, a, and, and he has the pasture that you're heading towards. So you have a strategy and you, you state it, but you need the people who are going to... Um, move in the right direction to know what to do and have responsibility I, I like people to, or to give people responsibility uh, to a level that they can cope with so they're under a moderate amount of stress so they have to think about what they're doing don't pile it all onto them because that's not fair because as a manager I have my own response I must take shoulder some of the responsibility but give your tractor drivers the freedom to make the small decisions themselves they feel more involved in the farm and they'll make those decisions for you rather than you wait to make them for them and they'll be more efficient as a result of it. And so if they plough up your wife's borders in the garden, what do you say? Well, I say, well, that possibly wasn't the best thing to do. Let's <laughs> think about how we might do that again, if in another, what we might do in another situation. So rather than go off on, off on one, it's a lot easier to just discuss it. What went wrong? Why did that go wrong? How can we avoid that happening again in the future? Yeah. You, you've, you've come back, realised that, in fact, you haven't got to get up every morning and, and be bossy because everyone knows what they're doing anyway if they're yeah. well informed. You got on your bike, you biked to Norwich. And I bought a, tennis, a terraced house uh, which needed renovation. Uh, so this is in the summer when, it's not, when we're not so busy, sort of June, May, June time. Uh, me and one of the guys off the farm uh, went I went into Norwich every day, we renovated it, put it on the market just before harvest. Uh, we sold it in September, I believe, and uh, made far more money than I ever did imagine. So I thought, ooh, this could be quite good. Yeah, so I mean, on, from, that, from that one little uh, exploratory time, you then, what you thought, well, shall I do that again? Or well, I thought, well, we'll have some more of that. Uh, so I bought another one. Uh, I then took on, we were a bit busy on the farm then, so I couldn't have any of the start, farm staff to do it. So I took on a uh, a builder uh, to to uh, do the to do the renovation. I was there every day as well, learning as well. Uh, so I cut my teeth on terrace houses, and we did uh, several of those. I can't remember how many, but mm, 
10, 15, something like that. Um, and then I thought it's time we got on to new build. And through school, I met uh, one of the parents who was a builder and he gave me a hand, got me going. And I haven't looked back since. And, and on the back of that, you, you started small and you've just continued Ooh. to... We started, uh, I bought a plot in Reedham for a bungalow. Bungalows are easier to build than houses. Uh, built that, that went better than I thought it would. So then it's another single plot and then a double plot. And uh, now we're doing uh, plots up to about 10 or 12. And we yeah. do one of those a year. But the point is that, that you took that breather, looked at your farm business recognised that perhaps you weren't the most important person in the world every single day. Obviously you are, but you, <laughs> but you, you know, it's, it's the, the point I'm trying to get to is that if you take a fresh set of eyes, isn't it? Now, now we're going to come on to that in a little while, the fresh set of eyes, because when I first met you, you were a farmer. You know, you were, you were just a farmer and all you could think about was farming and, and you were very involved with feeding pigs and, and driving tractors. I was there at the, at the coal face every day. I, I, I was the one who mucked the pigs out. I was the one who drove the tractor. Uh, and I was the one who walked the fields. I did everything. Well, some of all of it. Uh, I was working on the farm every day. Uh, going away, well, starting Delta started to make me realise that my time was probably better spent managing than it was doing, making sure that the staff were always working every day. They weren't waiting for instruction or waiting for parts or waiting for seed for two hours a day. So management comes into there to make sure everything falls into place for them and they know where they're going to next. Um, and that skill is essential in any business, whether it's building or farming. It's making sure your staff are efficient. And I soon real worked out um, that I could earn more. The less I did at the coalface, the more efficient the business was. Mm. Uh, and I've used that to develop the other business. So I, I've taken myself away uh, from the, from the coalface of the farm to looking at the whole thing globally and keeping an eye on it and still managing it and do, making the strategic decisions, but not actually putting the crops in the ground. And we've got the same staff now, or Delta has the same staff now, it had 23, 4, 5 years ago. Um, and they are more competent in the field than I am. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's the key going through both your businesses, the, 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 the farming and the building, is that you have some very technical, skilled, motivated staff that you trust. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with that, they've, they can perform yeah, better than giving them instruction. They've got the motivation, they understand the dynamic of the message, and they get on with doing it. Yeah. Yes, they know, they know the time frame, they know what, what, what's expected of them. And coming back to what you said earlier, Andrew, there's two ways of leading men. You either, you're either a shepherd and manage them from behind, just coaxing them in, keeping them in the right direction, or like a soldier, you lead from the front, uh, all guns blazing. Um, and I find that leading as a shepherd is a lot, better, lot more effective because yeah. it gives time to stand back and review the work that's been done. And sometimes you do have to be a warrior and go forward, but most of the time you can, it's better to stand back. Certainly I've had bosses in my past that uh, motivated me and inspired me. I had others that absolutely made me want to do the opposite of, of trying hard. Avoid micromanagement. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, the, 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 the story I really like is, is when you've recently bought you know, an, a new farm, um, which has come out of the proceeds of, 
of building, not farming, hasn't it? That's basically... uh, it's not farming that's going to pay for this, no. It's building that's paid for it. Yeah, I, I think that the, the dynamic is that you came to look at this farm and another farmer spoke to you and said, I went round that farm, I looked at that, I took my spade with me and I dug down all the fields and I found sand before I got to a couple of feet. That's no, that land's no good for anything. I can't believe you bought it. What did you say to that? Well, when I first looked at it, um, well, I never brought a spade to have a look at it. Um, uh, I knew that the land wasn't particularly good and I wasn't going to make a huge amount of money out of that. But there were other things on the farm where it offered huge potential. Uh, there were barns which were remote from the farmhouse which have got potential to be developed. Uh, there was fields which were beside roads which have got potential to be developed. And the first time I looked under the ground, it wasn't with a spade, it was with a digger, and I too found sand, and I was absolutely thrilled <laughs> because I knew the water would drain away, drain away quickly and it fitted my needs perfectly. I came to it, I looked at the same thing, but with a different pair of eyes. I looked at the asset as a whole and how it could be used. I think, I think that's, that's the key, that's the thing I want to sum up with. The boy I met all those years ago... Um, would have come here with a spade when he was 19. Yeah. And at the age of 62, no, yeah. at, the, <laughs> at the age of whatever you are. 52, 51, I think. Um, at the age of 52, you've, you've come without the spade and you've looked at the bigger picture with a different set of eyes. You, you, you rose above just doing the same thing every day and you looked at your time and you found another way to look at things and it gave you the opportunity. So... It's looking at the same thing from a different perspective. Yeah, that's Charles, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're a busy man, but I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste, and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Right, today we're not in the pub. We're going to try a beer in the office. So very unusually, doing grain have got some beers in their office. <laughs> it's a shock. It's a first, isn't it? It is, yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got, uh, we're reading here, Panther. It's uh, an amber IPA with a bite. It's, here. it's a five and a half percenter. Um, yeah, it looks all right. We'll give it a go. So not for the faint-hearted then. Oh, I can handle five and a half. Well, we I don't, had, we, don't know about you, but I can handle it just about. <laughs> we had a panther. We had a panther before, didn't we? That one with the the uh, aluminium bottle, didn't we? the trendy one. Yeah, the it, top m- very memorable. Yeah, I have I, seen it since. Actually, strangely, mm-hmm. um, and it has had a few comments. So it wasn't wasn't my choice of beer, but it is popular apparently. Yeah, I've found out what top knots are now. Yeah. They're, they're, they're where blokes have girls' ponytails on tops of their heads, isn't it? They do. Yeah, a long time ago, Andrew, maybe. Even if I had that bit in the middle with hair on it, I wouldn't do that. But hey, anyway, let's uh, let's go. So I'll give it a go. Yeah, I like that. Oh yeah, it'd be it's good, good beer. Yeah, yeah. Better Again. go and find that somewhere. Mm. And uh, Panther is it's brewed at Reefham, isn't it? 
this all. So, yeah, that's our barley again, isn't it? We went through that one. Good, yeah. happy with that beer. No, great. Now, Ian, obviously drinking beer, having been to your first rugby training session <laughs> last night, and getting out of puff coming up the stairs today. Um, how are you feeling? Well, you can. I think you probably see the sweat beading off my forehead already. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can feel it. One session, I'm sort of half chiselled. I've got a bet in the office that I'll um, be flaunting flaunting my six pack by the uh, Christmas dinner. So uh, I've got a way to go, but um, yeah, I'm on the uh, yeah on the on the journey. When you say away, sorry, how many stone? I've got two stone. Two stone. Two stone by Christmas. Okay, and, and there's a bottle of wine on it, so it's very intensely competitive in the office. A good bottle of wine, okay. minimum spend twenty five quid. So, okay. yeah, okay. Well, I'll be watching. I'll be the victor, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you've got the best chance Mate, of losing the most weight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's low. That's anyway, low. so you're training again, and you've got you know fit body, fit mind, which is obviously the the doing grain way yeah, of, of doing things. Yeah, we've got a market that's that's being influenced by all sorts of things and knee jerk reactions. I wanted to have a little chat. You know, we have a USDA report come out every mm. month and everyone debates it like crazy. Yeah. Do you think we ought to write our own report? I think on our current form, Andrew, probably no. Um, but something in it, though. Yeah, I mean... I, th- I think I'd love to chuck a few sort of pre-report comments out there and uh, show how horribly wrong we can get the, uh, the toss of the coin moment for the USDA. Yeah, well, the, the the fake news opportunities are obviously great, but you know, if if, if with all of the listeners we now have on the uh, on our podcast, it's, we can influence things now, can't we? <laughs> I'd love to think that that would be uh, that'd be brilliant. Well, like do the opposite, and we'll make money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, on the subject of USDA, I mean, we 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 could uh, stick a load of pins in the map and just say we think the yield of corn is going to be that or this. And uh, and probably somebody somewhere would believe what we said. It's 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 the nature of the world today that if you say something, somebody somewhere believes it. Um, but there is a massive scepticism about these figures, isn't there? No, I, I, you just raised a really interesting point. Talking about sorry, we're talking away from the scepticism figures, but kind of the social media aspect. You talked about figures coming out. It is amazing. As soon as we've seen loads of fake news, we've seen Twitter announcements out of Ukraine and. Everyone believes it, and bang, like the market's explosive, and it, it goes for it. In the old, I mean, a broker said to me the other day that the um, the trade historically, the news would have come out, it would have filtered through the big trading houses, and then eventually it would have come down to everyone else. But now it's there at the second, so bang, it's explosive. So it's they're exciting markets at the moment. This is an opportunity for um, one of my my old boy. Uh, trade uh, phrases which used to be used which is buy the rumour sell the fact so the rumour yeah. is like oh yeah it's all following it's like following the sandal in the life of Brian film yeah. um, and then when it actually comes out to be real or true mm. the market's already moved the money it was supposed to move by that news yeah, and, yeah. and it, it would then yeah. go in the opposite direction yeah but I know it's certainly creating some really pretty exciting markets and some big swings on the back of it yeah, yeah. exciting yeah but talk, I mean talking about USDA's Andrew I I'm sort of like a kid waiting for Christmas, sort of uh, quarter to five on a USDA day, and you, you're kind of sitting there and you're you're waiting for the report. And um, I always think back to uh, my favourite film, Trading Places, which um, <laughs> my wife has been bored with multiple times. Uh, what, the Eddie Murphy is that what interests her? Or? 
maybe Jamie Lee Curtis, oh, possibly. There's a, really? That surprises me. I can't me. remember what minute it comes in, but there's... It's, yeah. it's a bit where she's not very wearing many Possibly. Okay. Possibly. Yeah, that's a very good film. And, fine and, form. Fine well, form. But, but that film actually is all about an orange juice report, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, uh, and they think they've got a steal on what happens next, yeah. and they buy it like yeah. crazy, and then they turn around and sell it like crazy. And I mean, in real life, that could happen yeah. in the context of going in and buying it just pre the report. Everyone thinks they know what the, what the, the, the figures are. They borrow, It's a rumour, let's go with that, follow them, follow mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Next thing, the reality comes out, and they've sold all their stock, and everyone else is holding, holding comes down quickly. a terrible yeah. loss. Yeah. Um, but if you could, if, you know, if we could start a terrible rumour, Let's be really terribly commercial. We could we could ram the price up or down, couldn't we? Wouldn't it be great? I, I think we need enough followers on Twitter, Andy, so that we can really put some fake news out there and blitz the social media scene and uh, be brilliant. Okay, so well, let's actually the USDA itself. This last report came out, and and they've they've given us a stonking great. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it was all about the corn crop, wasn't it? The um, 181 bushels, which completely smashed. All of the pre-report estimates. It was. Um, I mean, talk about the manipulation side of things. The f- the figure I personally was surprised about was they put the soybean yield in neutral to sort of average, which I think was, in my mind, should really have followed corn. But no, it was it was, it was quite that, an inflation cons- report. Because you were discussing conspiracy theory with that, weren't you? I was thinking Donald Trump was under a bit of pressure because he's unpopular with beans and the Chinese tariffs, and yeah, there's pressure. Um, and so, the last thing he'd want is a very negative bean figure. So you can't say this because it's a government body or U- the USDA, which is a, a big professional body. But um, so we wouldn't be completely shocked if someone had so suggested fake, fake news opportunity number fake one. News, we're, we're, that's doing grain states. We're waving the flag, Andrew. We're waving the flag. So, so the soybean figure is, in fact, being understated just to keep the price up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so... so Bigger than ever corn crop, without any room for any problems. You've got this this cold air coming down into, uh, you know, potentially coming down into the corn area. Well, yeah. If you get a big bad freeze early, the market goes nuts. So the minute that happens, if corn goes up, everything else goes up, and any prediction of of anything else would be irrelevant because corn would be the leader. So. The Doing Grain Report, we'll have to put it on hold for a while, I think. We'll, we will wait to... Uh, well, we just join in with the moaners saying that that's wrong every month and, and watch people respond assuming it's right. And I, I've got to say, this report came out, it was bearish, everybody jumped on the bandwagon and down she went. Um, and it looks pretty... Just It's difficult to remind yourself the prices are actually quite good still, aren't they, mm. relatively... Because they've been twenty pounds higher now, and it's now mm. we're now all getting a bit gloomy about one hundred and seventy, mm. which is yeah. We're, we're all kicking ourselves a little bit, but it's a good point. You can't, you can't forget these are really good values. Yeah, should we top our glasses up? <laughs> good idea. Okay, see you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550.
or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio.